Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, it's Tuesday night again, folks, and it's time for Blog Talk Radio. And uh, I hope you're starting to look forward to these half hour, this half hour together because I tell you, this has been really good. Um, and uh, things are getting, getting just more and more helpful, more and more real to us as we seek to uh, bring particularly guests on who I believe are trying really hard to put their faith into the real world that they live in. And uh, that's really what we're all about here. And uh, today's guest is uh, no exception and, and very, very suitable for, for boy, this, this whole week where we've been. This is, a, of course, this week all started with Charlottesville and, and, uh, and a bit of a riot there and... Uh, uh, terrorist attack and you know we've we passed it on to other cities where there have been uh, uh, white supremacists and and uh, racist uh, siding against uh, people who are against racism and against hate and um, you know it's just uh, it's been quite it's been quite a, a give and take this, this week. And in the middle of all this, we're all, the rest of us are trying to know uh, how to live, um, how to live day by day in the place that God has put us. Um, I, I am so excited about our guest today because he has so many qualifications to talk. One, he's a millennial <laughs> and uh uh, that means a lot because we're connecting with millennials right now. We're really trying to understand them, so he's going to help us understand that thinking. He is uh, he, he is an an immigrant, and we'll have him explain that a little bit more. His mother came uh, here from uh, Vietnam, and uh, uh, incredible incredible story. And he is a Bible student, and uh, so he's trying to put this all together. He's very concerned about uh, racism and uh, politics, and uh, boy, those are those are tough subjects today. In fact, let me just uh, introduce uh, Tony Wynn to you right now. He is currently a student at Multnomah. Bible Seminary and is working towards his master's in theological studies and he's focusing uh, is re- uh, regarding theology is in the areas of race, gender and politics. I want to talk to him about that right off the bat. Currently Tony serves at a multi-ethnic church and finds that community 
to be a microcosm of our current social climate uh, revolving around race identity. He believes that the church as a whole has a certain political obligation to engage in the political realm of our world. But the church, church's politics is neither right or left, conservative or liberal. The church's politics critiques our current power structures and calls all persons and systems into examination. In other words, the church doesn't fall into line with our culture. The culture, the church addresses the culture and asks the culture to come up to a level of, uh, of higher uh, values and uh, listening to what God wants to say. Um, boy, that's good stuff. We are so excited to have Tony as our guest on this episode of The Catch on Blog Talk Radio. Tony, welcome to The Catch. Thank you for having me. Tony, i got to ask you, um, you're at Multnomah Biblical Seminary, and you're studying uh, areas in race, gender, and politics. Are those your, is that your choice to study that, or is that, is that uh, an, an actual offering at the school? Yeah, um, I, I would say it, it's it's a hybrid. Um, one, it, it is my choice. I feel that these are areas that um, the church needs to be equipped in um, in regards to um, its gospel witness. Um, but two, we also have a great community of, of professors, faculty, and students who really feel uh, called um, to be witnesses and 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 um, in these areas. And so I would say it's a hybrid. Okay, okay. But this is obviously something that you have had a hand in designing. This um, is, a, this is no, where you want to go. Yeah. Yes, th- this is where I want to go, definitely. But I would have to say that as far as the community here at Multnomah Biblical Seminary, I am just following um, in the path of, of much more mm-hmm. faithful um, men and women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tony, uh, just to get an idea what what you're thinking about in the future and what your desires and goals are, where, where would you guess, I, I know you can't do this, because God is in charge of our lives and we have no idea where we're going to end up. But where would you like to be in, say, right. maybe 10 years from now? What would yeah, you like to yeah. be doing? Um, right, yeah. I, I feel a call um, to be a pastor at a local church. Um, but right now, as I continue okay. in academics, um, I, I, I see myself a part of a movement uh, that is remarrying the church and the academy. I think for so long within um, at least American evangelicalism, there's been a divorce between um, academics and, and practice. There's been a divorce between uh, the academy and the church. And so um, to answer, I, I would hope that in 10 years I would be um, serving as a pastor, but also um, heavily involved in academics uh, in an effort to remarry the academy and the church. Wow. That's, that's exciting. That's really exciting. Um, okay, well, let's just jump right in because I really um, 
you have so so many of these areas are things that are touching us right now very much. So let's just start with a little bit of your story because we want to know some yeah. about you. But uh, built into that story is I think um, you've got you've got a real experience uh, of immigration. Um, you were a child of Vietnamese refugees. Um, there's a, this story has impacted the way you think, I imagine, and uh, and your interests. So tell us a little bit yeah. about uh, uh, what brought you here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say my story um, centers first and foremost around my mom's story, and um, her life has ultimately impacted and shaped my theology. Um, I'll start with her time in her late 20s um, as a recent college graduate in uh, Saigon, which is also known as Ho Chi Minh City. Um, My mom graduated college in uh, 1972 and began working at a medical lab there. Um, And the the city, Saigon City, fell to the northern Vietnamese in 1975. Um, But she continued to work there um, in a medical lab. Um, And it was in 1978 that she fell ill. Um, and so she decided to move back home to her hometown, uh, which is Yinlong. Um, there she stayed with um, her parents. Um, and and her, uh, her story, her journey of, of fleeing Vietnam begins with um, a family friend who had just been released from the communist um, indoctrination camp, um, And this family friend would convince her dad to allow her to flee the country. And so from there, um, in 1979, my mom um, would spend time um, on fishing boats and refugee camps in Thailand and Indonesia. Um, And for her, she remembers the difficulty of immigrating to the United States, especially during 1981, because of the assassination attempt on President Reagan's life. Um, and so for me growing up and hearing these stories of my mm. mom's time as a refugee, um, she would often tell me stories of, of how she, she was on these, these um, fishing boats that were just in shambles. They were in terrible condition. Um, and she would tell me of how she, she would be so thirsty. Um, she would look out on, at the water with her lips cracked and dry and her throat coarse. And she would look out at all this water and be unable to drink any of it. Mm. And and she was truly Mm. suffering. Um, And then 20 some years later, when, when I was three, after she had spent um, uh, a good chunk of her life in the United States, um, my mom and I were introduced to a local Vietnamese Christian community um, through a roommate that shared our two-bedroom mobile home. And uh, my mom, all of her life, she had grown up Buddhist, and she was active in the Buddhist community. Um, but through God's sovereignty and providence, um, he introduced a Christian into her life. And um, my mom would often tell me of the first time she heard Jesus speak through our pastor. Um, they were sitting out in the foyer of our church, and um, he read to her from Matthew um, eleven twenty eight, and it basically says, um, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And my mom tells me that it was at that moment, um, the tears began to flow freely down her cheeks, 
um, after being so tired, um, after the, the struggle and, and the suffering she endured, and remembering the, the pain um, of, of her journey to the United States, the unquenchable thirst she had, and the pain and loneliness she felt um, having to raise me as a single mother, the struggle of a tired life. Uh, my mom came to Christ because he offered her rest. Um, and this ultimately impacts wow. my theology because I believe that we are all weary travelers and that Jesus offers rest to all of us. That the person that Jesus Christ is meets us in our weariness <laughs> and gives us strength to continue on. Wow. Well, I feel like closing in prayer right now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what a beautiful story. That that okay. is uh that is that's wonderful. Um with your experience then as you've got a first hand experience as as an immigrant. Now I would you consider yourself an immigrant or would your mother be the immigrant and would you be the the, the, the offspring? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, my mom would be the immigrant generation, and then I would uh, mm-hmm. be the first generation within the United States. Um, but growing up in a in, in an immigrant uh, community, um, I would um, yeah. say it's both. I, I see, I identify completely with the immigrant community, but I would never um, be able to understand the trials and the hardships that they mm-hmm. experienced. Um, to get here. And so I would say it's a complete mm. honor and blessing to be identified with the immigrant community. Okay. So given that, Tony, what is your attitude towards America? And what would you like us to do in in regards as a country to the, the, the problem of immigration? What a huge question. But uh, yeah. can, can you address that? Briefly? Yeah, I think uh, as a as a disclaimer, first and foremost, um, as you said, I'm a student, and so I'm constantly in dialogue. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly hoping to approach mm-hmm. this conversation from a position of humility. Um, but I would say that growing up in an immigrant community and looking at the current dialogue uh, we face as a country regarding the immigration um, issue, I would say that it's become easier for us to be less empathetic towards people that we dehumanize when we judge people based on the content of of their immigration status rather than the content of their character. We begin to place labels on them. Um, I mean, in the eyes of our government, Someone could be labeled as a, an illegal immigrant because they didn't come here through the proper systems that our government has set up. But uh, my mentor often says that there's no such thing as an illegal human being. So my, my, it's my hope and my prayer that as we approach the immigration um, topic and issue, uh, we look at it through the lens that all people um, have um, – inherent rights. All people have inherent values. Wow. Wow. uh, This just points to the fact, Tony, that that you've done a a lot of thinking and you're even, you know, this is your area of study uh, uh, about politics and, um, and social 
justice and social injustice. Um, uh, tell us how. Um, what uh, what are you do? Are you doing anything right now? Um, that's that is actually active, uh, actively involved in any any racial uh, issues. Um, what and wh- and what are you uh, hoping to? What are you hoping to uh, to to do, or, or how how do you hope to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this past Sunday, yeah, this past Sunday, um, rather than um, attending church, um, I was at a walk in Portland, Oregon, the immigrant and refugee community of the city. Um, it, it, it was my hope and prayer that that to be um, involved uh, in those types of demonstrations, that I would gain a better perspective on what my surrounding community looks like, on what the needs of my surrounding community is or are. Um, and, and it's not to say that I, I am abandoning the church, um, but it, it's my hope and prayer that as a member of a local church, um, the local church can continue to strive to be a part of uh, the local community. Um, and I would say that w- what I hoped to get out of my involvement in um, marches and, and, and walks is, um, is ultimately um, an opportunity to, to be a gospel witness, an opportunity to have a faithful presence, an opportunity to love others as Jesus would love them. Um, I, and what I'm doing now, other than attending walks and marches, is um, just being a faithful and active member of my local um, church community. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that um, when, when I'm able to engage in dialogue with people uh, that I disagree with politically and theologically, um, I'm able to love them as Christ would love them. I mean, and in that same breath, um, I am giving them an opportunity to love me as Jesus would love me. Um, and, and that's starting from a place as simple as um, taking them out for coffee um, and, and just hearing their story and hearing their heart and hearing where they're coming from. Um, because I think in order for us, to love somebody as ourselves, to love somebody as Christ would love them, we have to learn to be humble. And I think our humility is never destructive, but our humility is always energizing and edifying for others. So ultimately what I am doing to engage social and racial injustices is to first love my neighbor. I am working towards winning people over through the love of Christ. Mm. You know, uh, we have watched in the last maybe 20 years, Tony, the, the church get involved politically. And I think that we have, uh, I've, I've talked about this a lot. I've written about it a lot because in, in a way I feel somewhat responsible because it grew out of the Jesus movement of the 70s and, and a, a reawakening but then the, then the church uh, 
slowly became to be engulfed in its, its, in its own subculture where we had made yeah. music, uh, Christian music. Now we have Christian everything. And then, then what happened was the, the church became involved in politics, but it, 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 it only became involved in one part of politics or one side of politics. And the problem yeah. is now, especially now, it's no surprise to you how polarized this country is. How, how do we get involved as Christians without being tagged as or right or left or up or down or conservative yeah. or liberal? Um, right. It's hard. Can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah I, I think as, as I'm um, continuing this journey as a student, um, what I've, I've, come across is that for Jesus, um, being the founder of the church, Jesus is more conservative than liberal Christians want him to be, and he is more liberal and progressive than conservative Christians make him out to be. And I would say that um, the terms conservative and liberal, I'm using them in our current political terms. Um, But Jesus is not apolitical. Jesus is not um, neutral. Jesus has a side it's just not a side that we can claim because it ultimately belongs to him. Um, and I think the Beatitudes, um, I, I think the Sermon on the Mount is a perfect example of Jesus's political views. Um, I believe that the Beatitudes, the first section of the Sermon on the Mount, is a perfect um, representation of Jesus's political views. When Jesus says, you know, that people are blessed when they're poor in spirit or in Luke, they're blessed because they're poor. I think Jesus um, means that not just for his time, but also for all our time today. And so as far as church involvement, I think if Jesus is saying that this certain group of people are blessed, then man, the church should be there too as well. And that works its way all the way through to the uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and and the peacemakers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely the peacemakers. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, what? Uh, oh gosh. Um, I just uh, my, my 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 mind. I'm so sorry. My mind just uh, took a leap there You're for a right. minute yeah. and um <laughs> oh gosh i'm <sighs> i was so excited about what you were saying that i i had a wonderful question and and it slipped out of my mind um no that's all right uh well I'm I'm thinking of, you know, the the culture wars, the the the, the right and the left, uh, the up and the down, that all of that. Um, how how do you how do we keep from 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 being pegged or being labeled uh, one yeah. or the other in in such a uh, in such a time of, of uh, polarization. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
I think it's a part of our culture to label. I think it's a part of our culture to um, set certain boundaries of uh, you're with us and they are the other. I think it's within the, the makeup and the fabric of our nation to say that these people are a certain type. Um, but I think in, in that where there's hope is that Jesus says, you know, um, they will know you by the way you love. And so for us, um, ultimately, I think let us be known for the way that we love um, if we're to be known for anything. And ultimately, that, that will affect our politics. Um, so the way we love will affect our politics. And so if we're labeled either Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, hopefully it's founded upon and based upon the way that we loved others as Christ loves us. Okay. All right. I remembered what I wanted to ask you now as yeah. well. What What do you say to those who would say, you know, it, it's uh, politics uh, um, is not going to solve anything. Um, the answer is the gospel. So let's just yeah. not even get involved. Let's just yeah. stay totally away from marches and anything political because it's a, it's just a conundrum and, and it's only going to yeah. tie us up or get us labeled. Like you say, what would you say to that? Yeah. Argument? Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think I understand their heart um, because um, man-made institutions are always faulty and leave us wanting. But I think as I look at Jesus um, and how he accommodated uh, to save us, how he became human to save us, um, I think that gives us credence and gives us an obligation to be involved in human structures. If Jesus came down and mm. died a Roman death, died a death sanctioned by the state, I think that gives us um, a moral obligation mm. and duty to be involved in the politics of our time. And I think it, when we read the Bible and, uh, and we do our study in a humble manner, always asking the Holy Spirit for guidance, uh, we see how political the Bible really is. When we look at narratives like Exodus and how God liberates his people from the tyranny of an oppressive government, when we look at the Gospel of Mark in Jesus is described as the son of God, a title that is used in reference to Caesar, to say that Caesar, the head of the Roman government, is deity. I think that there are pictures of, of um, political involvement throughout Scripture that gives us um, a moral and, and um, religious and, and, and um, God-ordained um, and sanctioned obligation to be involved in politics. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, while I understand the heart of people who don't want to um, cause division, I, I think we ha must be involved in politics for the sake of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will we disagree? Will Christians disagree politically? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, I think especially evangelicals where that's our spiritual gift is the, the gift of disagreement. 
<laughs> so that's okay. Um, I, I think uh, the uh, an apt um, analogy would be there are hills that we die on, whether it be the crucifixion and the resurrection, um, the virgin birth, um, Jesus as God, as deity. I think those are hills we die on. I think there are hills that we can wrestle and fight on, whether it be um, gender roles within the church, complementarianism and egalitarianism. And then I think there are hills that we just have to leave um, I, uh, whatever those hills may be, I think that is up to the individual and their faith community as they seek to pursue unity. But yes, I think it is appropriate for us to disagree. Okay. And, and, uh, so then we can conclude that there, there isn't necessarily a Christian politics. Is that right? Uh, I, I mean, we can't well, create. I, yeah. Is there a, is there a yeah. Christian political platform that we all have to agree to uh, in, in order to follow Christ? Right. No, no. I, I would say a, a firm no to that as far as um, our man-made political platforms, whether it be Republican or mm-hmm. Democrat, I would say no to. I think – um, I don't say this with malice or, or spite, but I think when men like Franklin Graham and Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, continue to use the Bible as their own um, propaganda to support President Trump, I think that does tremendous harm and damage to the gospel message. Um, I think the Bible does not support either um, Republican or Democratic uh, Democrat uh, platforms. I think the Bible does not submit mm-hmm. itself to either party. Um, so uh, Jesus' message does not belong to one sole party. I think there are biblical truths in both parties that need to be acknowledged. But no, no party, mm-hmm. no agenda, no platform can claim ownership of the gospel message. Hmm. Oh, that's great. That's that's really important. Um, we are here at the catch. We have been um, noticing um, a lot of connections between uh, boomers uh, and and millennials. You know, I'm skipping a generation of Gen Xers. We we, we can talk about yeah. them too. But um, could you address that at all? What you know, yeah. if you could, if you could say something to the boomers, well, what would you say to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, so the church that I grew up at, the Vietnamese church, uh, rented their facilities from a boomer church, and so it was it was interesting growing up around as a child of a refugee among boomers. Um, and and I would say from observation, I think right now in our current church climate. Um, I think the boomers may be a uh, unreached people group for the church because um, they grew up in an era that that said um, the American version of Christianity is the true version of Christianity, that American values are Christian values, and the two have been confused and conflated. And so um, when we say things like America is a Christian nation um, – 
I don't know if that's a, a true statement. I don't know if that's a factual statement. I don't know if it ever will be, but it seems that boomers will live and die by that statement that we are founded upon biblical values and that we are um, through and through a nation under God. But are those really the values of Jesus? Or are they the values of American culture? And so when I say boomers may be a unreached people group is they, they both, they think they believe in Jesus. They think they are a part of the, the, the church, the historic Christian church. But in reality, they may just be a part of a subculture of the American um, society. Wow. Love that. Um, and then, then along come the millennials, and um, you're right, right. Of which you you are one. And uh, yep, uh, you know, are we? Uh, can we be hopeful uh, about millennials uh, from a spiritual standpoint? Yeah, I, I What's your, think that that is, yeah. That's a tough call. I mean, the, the vast majority of my millennial friends are not believers. Um, they see nothing in the church that is appealing. Um, some of them never attended church. They never grew up in the church. Um, but a lot of them grew up in the church. They know how to speak in Christian terms. They know the lingo. They know the language. And so they can fake it really well, but they've never actually believed in Jesus, they've never believed in God. And so as far as hope for my generation, I, I would ask that um, you guys continue to pray for us. I think we are um, in such a, 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 um, a time uh, of flux and change. I, I think that we are at a turning point for my generation where we can continue down this path of isolation and individualism, where with the advent of the mm. iPhone in 2007, our, our, the way that our brains function has, has been uh, mm. dramatically changed. Um, and so I, I would say that the way we relate to one another, um, it, it does not reflect the way that the church ought to relate to one another. We want to do everything through social media and over the web. And so the absence of real authentic relationships is there. And so all of that to say, man, I, I don't know where my generation is heading. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think that some of them might be ready for a, a spiritual awakening if such a thing should happen? I think I think millennials are aware of the the lack of of relationships that they have deep meaningful relationships they have, and so when they hear the word spirituality, they're willing to give anything a try if it means that they're able to fill the void and the hole in their lives. Um, as far as Jesus goes, I think they're. They're more willing to approach Jesus if he is just another cog in the machine of spirituality. But when it comes to authentic um, interactions and relationships with Christians and with God, um, I think that is something that we just have to flesh out in the coming years because true, authentic Christian community and faith 
calls people to accountability. It calls people into examination. And I, I just don't know if my generation is good at self-examination. I think that's something that we are really weak at. Yeah, we, we're passionate, but I don't know if we really know why we believe what we believe. Uh, wow. Well, um, Tony, uh, have you got another two hours talk with me (laughs) (laughs) right right if i get college credit for that yeah no yeah no here's the deal we're just gonna have to have you back that's 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 all i can say and will you do that will you will you come back yes please yeah and be our guest again sometimes yes please i would would be honored okay i want to i want to close with one question because we talk here a lot about grace turned outward and I'd like you to uh, just tell me what, what that means to you, what that phrase means to you, grace turned outward, and, and what, what would you encourage us to do in, in that regard? Yeah, I, I think when I hear that phrase, um, I think of Jesus saying, um, what you do to the least of these you do unto me. Um, and so when you give, a cup of water to those who are thirsty. You do that for me. Um, and I th- that's what I think of when I think of grace turned outward. Um, and as far as addressing you and the audience of the show, I would, I would ask, I would simply ask, um, to what extent are we living that out? What does um, grace turned outward look like practically in our lives? Because um, when we look at Christ, the extent of his grace turned outward was his life and death mm. um, upon the cross. And so as followers of Christ, when is grace turned outwards from our lives? Where does it take us? And where are we willing to go as it calls us? Wow. Okay, Tony. Well, I can't thank you enough for this. Uh, this has been a wonderful uh, 40 minutes, and um, I hope that uh, we'll all come back and listen to this again. And then I'm I'm very excited about uh, having you come back because I, I like the way you think, and um, I like the way you're in process, and uh, you have a lot to teach us. So I I truly truly appreciate this time with you. And uh, I pray God's blessing upon you as you finish up your studies and, and uh, wherever he's going to take you from there. Thank you, thank you. Okay, my friend. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks. You'll we'll be in touch. Grace we want to you. We, 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 yeah. Okay. Bless you. There you go, folks. Thanks. Wow. Um, you know, just turn right around and start the the tape over if you want to, uh, because uh, that was pretty incredible. And I think we need to hear it again and again. And and please, uh, uh, just copy this this, uh, URL down. Copy this site where where you are right now, where you're listening to it, and uh, pop up an email and and go down your list and hit all the people addresses uh, to in the send box that you think need to hear this. I just 
I just think we need to do that because um, the, this is exactly uh, where where we need to think, and I believe this is the kind of thinking that we need desperately. So uh, just can't thank Tony enough. This was so good. Um, I hope that you have a great week and that you think a lot about what are you going to do about the world you live in politically, socially. Those things are important. We don't just pass that off. And uh, uh, I ask you to think about that, and then then let's get real practical with grace turned outward. And let's start talking about what that means, and then let's start acting it out and tell so that we can have stories that we can tell and encourage one another with. So God bless you. This is a great evening. Um, don't miss next week because it'll be just as good. So uh, take care. Um, God go with you.